Hello, Between the Game and Life podcast. I have a special guest today. I have Dennis Newman. Uh, Dennis, I appreciate you being on. I'm a. I'm going to ask a uh, a different opening question, but it's going to circle back around. So, Dennis, what are you most known for? Just to introduce yourself. Most known for. Um, probably most known for being the father of uh, three kids. Um, and the husband of my wife, Debbie, <laughs> that's probably what most people know me for. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. Well, you, you know, that's funny. Cause usually, um, I'm glad you said father of three kids and, and a husband. That's exactly what I wanted you to say. Cause usually obviously people lead with their most notable profession. And then I was going to wrap it up at the end with that. But since, since you, since you started like that, um, what are you most known for professionally, if I can ask that? Um, probably uh, my experience in the NBA. I spent uh, just almost 30 years in the NBA, all with the, the same team and uh, pretty much the same job. I mean, it changed a little bit after seven, eight years and uh, did radio play-by-play -play for uh, the last, what, 22 years of my career. So probably best known uh as far as my career for uh, radio play-by-play -play and working uh, at that level in the NBA. Very nice. So since this is Between the Game and Life podcast where we blend sports and life lessons, um, what was your relationship like with sports um, growing up? Yeah, it's it's a good question, I think, Cam, because it was it was really important to me, you know, as a little little boy, I, sports was always something I just loved. I loved uh, every type of sport, um, played pretty much every sport, uh, enjoyed it, was never a, a great athlete, though I had a, a good run um, later, I think, in, in high school and just after high school in, in golf. But, um, you know, played baseball, football, basketball, the three basics back then, and um, just really enjoyed it, you know, I, I uh, and still enjoy doing a lot of different types of things, different types of sports, uh, biking, running, a uh, little bit of lifting. Uh, but but yeah, as a kid, that that was my world was sports. And I always wanted to find a niche of some kind um, to carve out a job. And that was my dream to 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 work in sports, preferably professional sports. Where I grew up, a uh, team came to that, a professional team came for the first time in 1970. Um, and it, it really changed, changed my life. I mean, because then, you know, it was so close and so real and um, so much fun, you know, and I, I just wanted to be a part of that, I think, and, and kind of set my goals and started to set my career um, as far as education to reach those goals. Um, to somehow get into professional sports and, and, and really no specific role, but just to be part of that world that just, uh, I was greatly enamored with it. Gotcha. So what, what sports team was that back in 1970 that moved, um, close to where you were? Yeah, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and, uh, the trailblazers came to Portland in 1970, the NBA awarded, as I remember two franchises that year, I believe the Cavaliers in Cleveland, uh, were the other team, if I remember correctly. Um, but Portland acquired the team in 1970, and, uh, you know, it just changed – it changed everything, I think, for Portland. I mean, the, the, the city just 
just threw its arms around that team. And really, that's never changed. They went through a brief period. You may remember, Cam, uh, they had some problems off the court with some players, a number of players. And uh, there was a little estrangement there for a few years. But I I think that relationship between the the fans of not only Portland, but I think the state of Oregon and the Trailblazers has always been really, really special. Uh, They had some success early, and that certainly helped. I mean, they won a world championship in 1977, uh, kind of shocked the shocked everybody in the league at that point. And, and I think that that really solidified it. But that relationship between uh, the people of Oregon and that franchise has always been, I think, um, looking at all the teams in all professional sports has been really special. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, so, you know, when I'm growing up, my idea of, you know, working in professional sports is actually playing the sport and being on the team. <laughs> but your experience was, you know, you just wanted to work in professional sports, whatever that was. What was it about professional sports that caught your attention and made you think that you wanted to do that as a as a career? Yeah, that's a good distinction, because I think early I realized that I was not going to play professional <laughs> sports and I was pretty realistic. You know, I, I, I knew that that's not where I was headed. Uh, I was I was never going to play in the NBA, most likely never going to be a Major League Baseball player and certainly not a football player uh, <laughs> with my size at that time. I was one of those guys that kind of matured and grew late later in life. But um yeah, I, I, so I just wanted to be a part of it. And I think the biggest thing for me, Cam, was um the professionalism of it. I, I, I like anything um, at its highest level. I've always told people that I can watch, um, you know, I can watch a checkers championship. If they're the best in the world at playing checkers, that interests me. I mean, I, I just like anyone that can do something better than anyone else in the world. I'll watch it. Uh, right. I'll, you know, I just think it's fascinating to me to get to that level in anything. And for me, professional sports was what, you know, what I liked, what I enjoyed and what I watched. And uh, that's what I wanted to be a part of that, the the upper level of of any sport. And really, you know, it it was never I never had my sights set on basketball. And that's where Mm -hmm. I spent 30 years of my career. And that's just really the way my career unfolded. I I love baseball, football, all sports. So, yeah. Again, it just kind of was the way I think God just kind of shaped my career and, and led me. And that's where I ended up, really not by choice. Yeah. One thing that I uh, I love hearing about people's stories is uh, if there's ever a story I come across where they wanted to do something when they were young and they actually set out the steps to go and do that. So once you realize you had this dream of working in professional sports, what was your career path like, you know, college and things that you took to get to that um to that uh, point. Yeah, and, and it is rare to, to uh, just go back what, over what you just said. I, I think it's rare that people um, set a goal to become one thing and, and actually achieve that. And that is rare. And I, I really feel like I have been I have been so blessed in so many ways to be able to do that. Uh, I'm not doing that anymore. Maybe I realize how blessed I was uh, even more so, I think now, uh, yeah. looking back and see what what I got to achieve and, and, and going back to that early Dennis at, you know, 10, 11 years old. And, and that's what he wanted to do. And he got to do what he wanted to do for, for a good length of time. So um, I, to answer your question, I guess I just I talked to a lot of people. Um, I found people in the business that that knew the business, that understood the business 
that would articulate that to me and share their wisdom. Um, and, and really nothing special. I just uh, decided that broadcasting was the way I want to go. I, I uh, decided to go um, specialize in broadcasting in, in college and uh, specifically radio television broadcasting, and then just kind of work my way into the business. And, uh, you know, no real I think definite plan. I think a lot of kids seem to have a lot more specifics in their career yeah. uh, agenda. I, I didn't. I knew what I wanted to do. And I just figured, first of all, I had to start with that education. That's what I did. And then after that, just kind of took step by step trying to get in position where I could do what I wanted to do. And that was broadcast. One question that I asked that I've asked some of the players that's been on, um, my podcast is that, you know, walk me through the feelings of, 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 of reaching a certain point, right. Whether it's your college team you wanted to go to, or your professional team, you know, walk me into that first day of walking into that situation for you, you know, once you are on this path to become to, to work in the, um, um, broadcasting space, walk me into your very first day on the job. Yeah, I would, probably have to go back uh you, you know you i think the feeling you're talking about the emotion I, I felt really in college when i got to do a lot of different things not really sports oriented i went to a school that was not so much a school of uh, practical um hands-on sports broadcasting it was more theoretical the education in a journalism department um, which, which I look back and I, I, I'm thankful for that. I think it, it did give me a great foundation and base, especially for journalism. Um, but I, I do remember those specific feelings when you, you know, you throw on a headset for the very first time, really, and you're interviewing anybody or you're on the air live for the first, second, third time. I mean, those are amazing emotions that I will never, ever forget. Um, after that, after college, my first job was in radio. Uh, it was actually Christian radio in, in uh, just outside Dallas, Texas. And, and the same thing. I mean, that first, first couple of times when you're on the air live, um, getting paid for it, I think is, is kind of cool too. That was fun. Yeah. But I think just, just the emotion and um, the excitement and that's something I'll never, ever forget. I don't know that I ever duplicated that as, as you go on in your career, you certainly do a lot of fun things and interesting things and uh, amazing accomplishments as, as you go through a career. But that uh, that stands out. I know those those first few times on the air when you realize you, you are a, a broadcaster <laughs> might not be a very good one yet, but you're a broadcaster. <laughs> yeah. How did you how did you handle those nerves? Did you like give yourself a pep talk? Did you pray? Like, how do you how do you handle those nerves going into that situation? And, and also, you know, wanting to perform and do well, even though the first couple of times you do it may not seem right. Yeah, and that's a good question because I think a lot of people handle them very differently. You know, th that part never really um, nervous, yes, but I, I think I always kind of channeled it as I would in sports. I'd always channel nerves uh, as a good thing and welcome them. Um, you know, I, I played uh, baseball, football, I wrestled a little bit, played a little golf, and I think anytime you can use those nerves to your advantage. I think it certainly behooves you. And I think I, I did that as well, I think, as a broadcaster. And that, that um, again, I, I wouldn't 
downplay the fact that you do get nervous and especially when you're first starting out like that. But if you can channel it correctly and use, uh, just use those nerves for good, I think you can get a lot out of that. I think that's what my goal was anyway at the time to do just that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, playing in sports all my life and being in certain situations where the, you know, the game was tense or we had a big game or whatever, I was nervous before any game. But yeah, like, you know, understanding how to channel that and where to where to put that, make sure you're staying in the moment and then also relying on, you know, maybe your past body of work. So, you know, for for anybody that's been on a team sport, you know, you like a lot of there's a lot of practice and preparation that you know, that goes into it. And so maybe what you prepared for gives you confidence in the moment. It almost sounds like you probably have some of that in your broadcasting career, like knowing you made the connections and probably put the work in that when you do go live, you do have a certain level of confidence, maybe heading into the situation. You know, Cam, I don't think you can say anything um, more important than what you just said. And I think that's, that's everything in broadcasting is preparation. Um, and, and especially, I think, the level that I was at um, there at the end of my career um, as a professional, um, if you're ready and you know you're ready and you put in the time to prepare for a broadcast, you know, the, the nerves, uh, certainly at that length uh, into my career after 20, 30 years, you, you don't really have that kind of nervous situation anyway, but I think you're going to do your best work. And there's no question if you're prepared, you're confident, um, you're just a better broadcaster and, and it shows, I mean, you can, you can look at a lot of different people um, and, and tell, I mean, I think uh, you and I both probably could listen to 10 people um, and you can tell who was prepared and who wasn't. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious when you listen to radio or you watch TV today. Um, and there's a little bit of both, I think. But I think preparation, what you just said, is, is the key. If you're prepared for a broadcast, you do the work, um, you can be a good broadcaster. There, there's no question about that. And uh, that, that is what I always try to do, make sure that when I went into a broadcast, um, be it a preseason game in you know Amarillo, Texas, or an NBA Finals game, um, that you were prepared and ready to go. The minute that ball came down, you were ready to go. Yeah, I don't um, – I think people have, like, this uh, expectation of, like, when people talk for a living, whether they are, like, a broadcaster or someone on the radio, like, they – people I know think it's easy because like you're just talking right and that seems like the most human thing to do is to be able to, to talk but me doing this podcast has has made me understand like how hard it is to talk for for any length of time and be on point and be ready and be prepared can you speak to how hard broadcasting is yeah and you know I think where you you really see the difference in, in that regard is when it when it changes up when there's a, a hiccup in the usual plan. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people can call a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game um, if they know the sport and you know maybe know most of the guys involved. That you can call that game um, to call it well. I think you've got to be prepared. You've got to do your work and you've got to know everything about anybody that's going to come into that basketball game or football game or baseball game, um, coaches, history of the team. You just got to know what these people have done and what is expected of them. And then, then I think it's easy. I think the hard part is like I say, when you face a little adversity, uh, when there's a stoppage of play for whatever reason, 
lights go out somewhere. Now you find out who is a talented broadcaster <laughs> and you found it, you know, you find it out pretty quick. Um, anytime that the ball stops and you're filling that air and, you know, you realize there's nowhere else to go. Some guys have a studio, some guys don't, um, you know, that that's a difficult thing. And, and that's where talent, I think, shows itself in, in situations like that. Yeah, while you're while you're speaking, it was making me think of like all the information you have to understand about players and just how like, I mean, that's a lot of information to take in just on the players playing night after night after night, depending on your sport. And if you think about baseball, that's 160, 62 games, uh, you know, basketball, 82 football, <laughs> like <laughs> that is a lot of information to try to keep up with. That's so true. And I, it's funny you said that with, with baseball. I always said there's just no way I could do 162 games in a year. Um, I was doing 82 regular season NBA games. Usually we were doing used to used to do eight preseason games. And if you get in the playoffs, if you're fortunate, you know, you do six to 15. One year we did 24 playoff games yep. when we went to the finals. Um, so yeah, I mean, to do 162 baseball games where really you're doing it every single night. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I'm, I'm made up to do that. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds very, uh, challenging. Dennis, I, uh, I got connected, uh, through you, through our good friend, Paul Nicewonder, um, in, um, you're actually responsible for me attending my first NBA game ever. Uh, me and Paul went to a uh, Orlando Magic game down in uh, – see, this is spring break, I think, in 2012. So, I think it was like the Nets and the Magic. And then I think you you had blessed me and Paul with tickets. So, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to attend my first NBA game. But also wanted to ask um, your experience in the NBA. What were the teams that you worked for? I worked for the Orlando Magic, and that was the only NBA team that that I ever worked for. I started out, as I said, in uh, Christian radio, worked in Christian radio for a few years, went mm -hmm. to uh, a news talk station, worked in, in that area for a few years, then went to uh, a radio network in uh, Dallas, which was the USA radio network, worked for them for a few years, and then came to Florida to work for the Florida radio network in uh, 1989. Um, and took a job with the Magic in 1991. That was their third year. Mm -hmm. I'd covered them the first two years working for Florida Radio Network, but uh, was offered a job in the third season of Magic in 1991 and uh, worked with the Magic through, what, 2020. But it was, uh, it was a great run, a great, great team, and it was uh, a wonderful opportunity, a lot of good memories. Yeah, what is uh, what were some of the exciting moments of working for the Magic? And uh, I think what I'm trying to refer to is like um, how exciting is it to see like the different players that might come in year after year? I know you were there for you know, like Shaq, Penny Hardaway, but um, how 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 exciting is that? Because you're probably operating as a broadcaster, as an employee, but as a fan as well. Yeah, you are, and I think anytime you tell yourself you, you you're not a fan, um, I think maybe maybe that's when you maybe might get out of the business too. I think that's part of it to understand, to appreciate the talent and, and be a fan of, of what these guys can do, no matter what sport for me, it was basketball. And to be able to sit down um, and call a game with, you know, Larry Bird with, with Michael Jordan, um, Julius Irving actually worked for us with the magic. Uh, he'd fly on the team plane and oh, to wow. be able to just sit across 
uh, a table from Julius Irving and and be able to talk to Julius Irving. I mean, you just you, you kind of pinch yourself. You do realize, I think, that, that it's a good realization that um, you know we're all the same. We really are. We have different abilities, different talents, um, but we're all created by God. And I think that's the one thing you don't have. You, you don't. Um, you realize that there's. There's things that make individuals special, but we're all created in his image and and there's something special about us. We've just got to find that. But yeah, some some wonderful, wonderful memories in those uh, 30 years with the magic. As you talked about, um, we drafted Penny and Shaq early and that was a that was a great run. It came really, really close to, to winning, but uh, didn't quite get there. Went through a great run with Dwight Howard as the focal point of our team. Again, came really, really close. Uh, got to the finals, but just couldn't quite win. And there at the end, a lot of good young talent that we just couldn't mold into a, a winner. But uh, that's professional sports. And that's if you're part of it, you realize um, it's a tough business. It, it, it's it's hard to win. It, it's very difficult to win. Um, and it's uh, it's frustrating in so, so many ways. <laughs> Yeah. I have a lot of players, coaches, and, and people that love like career talk, listen to this. And one thing that I love um, talking about is just like the skills or like what separates players from players, like, you know, from the, from the good, from the average to good to the good to great, et cetera. And this also can, this question can also be asked, you know, from your career, because you, because you've seen how, what different skills separate broadcasters. Um, but so with that, what are some of the things you've seen player to player that separates like the good to the great? You know, I think that varies, Cam. Uh, obviously, it's, it's athletic talent. And, and that's the thing about it. if you play in the NBA, I mean, you are amazingly gifted by God with special athletic talents. There's no question about it. I, I don't care who you are. And I've seen a lot of different kinds of players, but then you'll see that, that, that five or 3% that are just phenomenal physical specimen. <laughs> the guy that always comes to mind for me is Tracy McGrady. Um, if you looked at Tracy McGrady physically, just standing in front of him, his waist was tiny yeah. and just chiseled guy, just an amazing physical athlete who could do so many things. And it came so easily to, yeah. to Tracy. Um, and I, I think that's what you see with these guys. Not all of them. I, I wouldn't say it comes easy. I think a lot of these guys work really, um, all of them work hard, but I think a lot of them work really hard to get to where they are. Some, I think it came a lot easier, not that they don't work hard, but I think it came a lot easier. Tracy might have been one of those because he was uh, amazingly gifted uh, physically, I think by God. And then he had an amazing talent set uh, as well, skill set to, to do the game. But I think uh, as you look at different guys, it's, it, you know, it varies. Some have amazing fundamentals. Some have that athletic prowess. Some have the ability to work hard. Some have the combination of all things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I think as you look at different guys, it, it, it's, it's just different things that make them unique. But I do know that if you get to that level in that league, um, you're pretty special. That's a, that's a rare human being that can play in the NBA. 
Yeah, some of some of my uh, I have some people close to me that don't like the NBA because they think the players don't play hard. Dennis, will you will you tell the people that they do play hard, but on a night to night basis, that like you said, there are some players that are so good that they just make it look that easy. There's no question about that. I mean, yeah, and I think you know sometimes sometimes I think you have to sit a little closer and watch what's going on and realize how hard that game is, how difficult, how big those guys are and how good they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, some guys certainly don't play as hard as others. And there's no question about that. It's just like any other vocation. Uh, you know, the guy that works at the bank, you know, two guys, they probably don't work, you know, each as hard as the other. Some guys take it a little easier, but at that level, um, if you don't work hard, I just don't think you succeed. I don't think you last long. Um, what's the average lifespan of an NBA career. Last I checked, it was, maybe three or four years, if yeah. that. Um, these guys, that's a rare, that's a small window. Um, and these guys that get there realize that. I think uh, most of them realize they've got an opportunity right now that they could go away at any point. And they, they work pretty hard to make sure that they, they use it well. Yeah. I want to transition here because you've mentioned God um, a few times. And, you know, one component of my podcast that I love to do is talk about faith. So, um, can can you would you be willing to share a little bit of your uh, uh, faith faith journey? Sure. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a family, uh, a mother and father. My my dad was an alcoholic. My mother was uh, had an, a special relationship with God and raised uh, four kids to make sure that that they have the opportunity to have the same thing and and made that uh, made that chance possibly by by taking us to church. Um, in um, what was it, 1968? I was nine years old, if I remember correctly. Um, just a uh, Wednesday night at a little small Presbyterian church in Portland, Oregon. I just felt, you know, I felt a calling that God was saying, "You need to make a decision for me." And I, uh, I felt an urging to go forward to the altar. Back when we uh, we did have altars, seems like we don't have as many altars anymore. But that was a special time that I, I will never forget, where God really spoke to my heart and um, showed me who He was and uh, showed me Jesus Christ. And I learned what Jesus Christ had done for me, mm -hmm. um, and it changed my life. Um, and, and a lot of people, I, I work with a lot of men now, a lot of younger guys, and. Um, and I always tell them, you know, it, it has not been easy since then. And I don't know that that's the way the Christian life was designed. Um, there's been a lot of learnings, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys, lots of valleys, seems like more valleys than mountains. Um, but I'm free. And I think that that's the key. Christ uh, died for me be, to make me free, to allow me to be free. Um, and, and I move forward and I just want my life to to just demonstrate everything that he is the love that he is and share that love with others and share the gospel with others of you know what what god's done for me and that that's really you know the older i get that's what i i want to do more and more uh, i think each each minute of my life is is just share that truth and um that that in itself is not easy as a lot of us know but um that's what i'm trying to do and just be obedient to that as I, as I close out what I think will be my, my final chapter here in the next few years. How were you able to intersect, you know, work and faith? And because um, I feel like that that's one question that a lot of Christians are trying to figure out is that merge of faith and work. 
how are you able to take your faith into the workplace? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I don't know, to be honest with you, Cam, I don't know that I ever, I ever did that well or, or as purposefully as I could have. Mm-hmm. I think um, I always tried to be authentic and, and, and be a Christian and be able to speak uh, of the faith that's within me. But um, I don't know that I ever, I ever did it as well as I think I could have. Um, and I even say that today. And that's what I think I'm, I'm really working on today is to, to, to shine that faith and that truth forward so others um, can live it as well and see the truth um, in, in Jesus Christ. So I, I think it's a, it's a good question for me, especially because I think looking back, I don't know that I, I did it as well as I could have. I certainly took every opportunity that I was given to share that um, with others, be it youth groups or um, church group, whatever. But I, I don't know that I, uh, if I had the opportunity to go back, I think I could do it much better. And I suppose we all say that, but the, yeah. for me, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it's uh, like I said, it's a, it's a question. I think we're all trying to wrestle with as Christians is how to, you know, how to, how to be more outspoken and bold in our faith with, you know, when, when we show up to a place every, every day. Um, one, one question that I also just thought about is um, one of my favorite quotes is about uh Steve Jobs said it, but he said that um, you can never connect the dots until you like look back over the over the uh, journey. So for you, like when you got started and you bounced around at a lot of different places before you got to the magic, um, as you reflect on that, how how did you see God kind of working through all those stops and places? Well, it, it was pretty amazing. I think um, I'm trying to think of the verse that I I'd heard I've heard so many times about. Uh, uh, you know, we can plant, plan our way and God will direct our steps. And I always, I always felt and saw God moving uh, in my career. Um, just, you know, I, I would pray that I would succeed, um, but I always pray that I would succeed for him too, that, that whatever I did would be for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really felt like he, he really shaped and molded so many things and passages in my career as I went along from from job to job um, and even you know when the, when the magic job came up in in 1991 that was it was really a miracle looking back that that I would get that job but uh, I did and I, I think it was only by that the hand and, and the grace of God and and then you know it, it, it's taking advantage of those opportunities and trying to live, that life for him and that career for him. And that's easier said than done. I think the older I get, I, I, I do realize, and, and what you just said, the quote from Steve Jobs, I think is so true. I think you begin to see the dots start to connect um, and, and, you know, brings a certain smile to your face sometimes. And, and, you know, you did a lot of things very well. And I think you look back and you think, Boy, that could have been done so much better. But I think, you know, I, I think looking back, I don't know how much good that does other than to realize that i think you know our life is to be lived today and after today but but mostly today and and that's um you know it's 63 years old that's what i'm trying to do today is be obedient to the god that's given me freedom and joy and wants me to tell others about that freedom and joy um and and i want to do it today 
and be obedient today. I'm not going to worry about what happened yesterday. And you know what, Cam? I'm trying not to worry too much about what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. I just want to do it today for yeah. him and be obedient today. And if I can do that, things are going to be all right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. I say to people a lot, like, uh, things you say in passing can come true. And what I mean by that is, like, when I was at Asbury, um, I was I – was, Asbury is a small Christian college. And so when, when one of my friends heard that I was, that I was going to that school, they said, you're going to go and become a pastor. And I literally said, that's the last thing that I'll be. (laughs) (laughs) My first job out of college was a youth pastor working in ministry. But then when I was dating my wife, I told her that, you know, I think it would be fun to like work in corporate America one day and wear a suit. Well, after we got married and had a chill and started started having kids i transitioned into corporate america where i started to wear a suit every day and then you know me simply trying to research you know stock market um things led to a career in the markets in which i really love in wealth management so it's one of those things that's like i've never like directed my career steps or directed anything it's just like small little passions just like kind of fell into place and I say all that just because like you said you wanted to work in professional sports and it actually happened. Um, so within like what you said and kind of like my journey, did you, did you see how just things just kind of just fell into place without you really like trying, you know? You know, in a lot of ways they really did. And, and I talked to a lot of young kids today that are trying to get in professional broadcasting. I realize, I think I realize now Cam more than then is how, how difficult that is. Um, and, and, and it did come pretty easily for me. Um, it, and, and only because I think God just opened up doors, um, to areas that he wanted me to go into. Um, and, you know, I should say to people that don't know my story, it ended, it ended in an interesting way too, or really not my decision. Um, but that's okay. You know, it really is, it, you know, it, it's hard, it, it, it's difficult, but I think, you know, if you're going to trust God when you're at the mountaintop, you, you got to trust him in the valley as well. Um, and, you know, he he's used me in a lot of different ways um, over the last 30 years. And, and I, I really believe he's going to continue to do that no matter what I do. I had a great mentor tell me um, after I quit working for the Magic a couple of years ago. Um, and he he said, you know, he looked at me, he realized where I was, you know, it was a, it was a difficult time, a, a, a transition I wasn't expecting, but he said, God doesn't care what you do. And I hesitate to say that because I, I think he, he always cares about who you are and what you're doing, but yeah. he can use you no matter what you do right. for a living. Um, is your heart pointed to him? Or are, you, are you listening to him and again, trying to be obedient? But you know, what you're doing isn't as important to God as why you're doing it and how you're doing it. And, you know, it really struck me and I think about it often. I think it continues to be true. And um, I think, you know, I'm going to see that play out here. And as I uh, finish this, as I say, I think this will be my my final, my final phase, um, you know, next 20, 30 years. And I'm just going to try to finish it strong for him and and, and run the race well. Yeah, I love that you said, you know, God can use you doing, you know, whatever, because, it's you know, at the end of the day, it's not about our title. It's not about us. It's about him. And through that, I mean, he can glorify you doing the most basic task, whether it's, you know, 
a neighbor saw you pick up trash that you didn't put on the ground. You know, that's yeah. a testimony right there. Something just simple as that. Um, Absolutely. Um, you know, what are, and, and, and as we kind of think about just sports and life and how they connect um, and then also faith, what have, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in sports and life and faith that you can kind of share? Um, you know, I think sports more than anything, and it sounds like you had uh, quite a career in sports. I know you know this. I, I think adversity will teach you a lot of different things. Um, you know, people, as I said earlier in, in the interview, uh, winning is difficult. Winning is really hard, um, exceptionally hard at the level of professional sports of the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball. Um, and there's a lot of losing that comes and it seems like there's a lot more losing than winning. And it's, it's how you treat those situations. What do you learn from those situations to be better? Mm -hmm. Um, Not only as a person, but as an athlete and try to build, you know, build the habits that will help you become a winner. And you know what? You may never become a winner. I was, I never had a chance to experience an NBA championship. Had a lot of friends that did the same thing I did that, won six, seven NBA titles and, uh, or at least were with teams that won those titles and were, uh, were part of that excitement. Um, you know, we came really close. We, we got to the finals twice, but never won. Um, and, and there's a lot of losing and it really, it, it hurts. I remember a great quote from, you remember him well, I know Chuck Daly, the, the coach that won some titles with the Pistons. He actually coached in Orlando for, uh, I think it was a year or two, um, but Chuck, Chuck once said about the NBA, this is a suffering business. And it is, you know, it, it's a suffering business, even though sometimes you win. And he did win a couple of times. Um, you end up a season a loser all the rest of the time yeah. because you didn't make it to the playoffs. You didn't make it to the NBA championship. You didn't win the NBA championship. You go out losing. Those are, those are hard lessons, but it's what you learn from those. Um, and I think what God is trying to tell you, if you can decipher that and learn those things, I think you can, if you intently seek him, um, that that's, that's the important part. Um, so I think my answer would be adversity. I think it, it, if you can learn from adversity, um, everybody can smile and have a great time when you're winning, you know, yeah. uh, everybody loves a champion, but when you can learn from adversity and become better and become a better servant of the God you serve, I think, uh, that's, that's where you're going to be much better off. Yeah. And it sounds like you're, you know, you're kind of, you were, you're just putting that into practice with your, with your magic departure a couple of years ago. So with that, like, how do you, how do you understand or handle adversity compared to, you know, your 30 year old self compared to what happened a couple of years ago? <laughs> you know, Cam, it, it's a lot more difficult for me. Um, and, and I'm not going to be shy. Uh, it's been difficult for me the last couple of years, but I serve a big God and I trust him. I, 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 I truly do. And I, I believe um, my best days are still to come. I don't know what that will be. Will it be in broadcasting? Um, I'm doing a, a couple of different things now from that field mm-hmm. um, that I'm enjoying it. Will it be more just working with people and trying to help people? Um, I don't know. Um, it has been difficult, but um, I can sense that that I'm on the right track, that that he is with me and he's giving me answers. 
Um, they're not coming as easily. It, it doesn't seem as they did when I was 30 and 35 and the success certainly isn't there right now, but that's all right. You know, it's, uh, I'm just going to trust him and follow him. And, uh, I know that, you know, if, even if, if it doesn't end up where I do something, you know, that I think is, is important or that is, uh, an achievement that others look at and, and acknowledge that's all right. As long as I feel like I'm, I'm serving him, that's, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And again, I echo the thought earlier, I, I'm trying to do that today. Yeah. And then how, and then how as important, um, has it been to, you know, have your, have your wife there to, to also walk through these things with you as well and, and to be a big supporter and maybe even your number one fan over the years when you guys were, you know, moving around a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, crucial. I think critical too, because you're, you're one, uh, you know, that if, if you're married, it's, um, you know, it's a lifetime decision and you become one and you think, and you hurt for each other and you, you love each other. And it's, it, it's hard during the difficult times. Um, but yeah, the, the support, um, from Debbie and, and my family is, uh, is, critical and has been critical. And uh, I continue to, to just really um, move forward from the strength that they provide. Yeah. Um, as we, as we kind of wrap up one, one question I have for you is, uh, do you have a moment in your broadcasting career that was like your most exciting call? <laughs> you know, I get asked that a lot and it, it's really hard for me. I guess it's like, uh, you know, saying who's your favorite child um you know because when you have when you and it sounds like you've done some broadcasting when when you broadcast and especially for as many years as i do and um i mean there's nights you walk away and you think boy that was i, I was really good tonight I, that that was about as good as i can be and then the other nights you walk away going what am i doing you know what why am i even doing this um because it, it just seems like it wasn't very good um calls certainly you remember the big calls um uh as you ask the question you know i think back on a, a number of calls i know we were in at home in orlando against san antonio i think the spurs were the reigning nba champions um down by one uh we get the ball at our end of the court uh with i think 1.7 seconds left on the clock uh, Hito Turkoglu, who played for us at the time, inbounded the ball from the side, threw it to the rim. Uh, a lot of people will remember this play. Dwight climbed up there, got the ball over Tim Duncan, and jammed it down and in, and we win at the buzzer. The game's over. We win uh, at the buzzer. Just a just an amazing moment. Um, and and I felt like I got the call right too, which is a broadcaster. That's you know that's that's important in a situation like that. They don't give you a do over. So you know you you felt like you got the call right. The the situation was perfect as far as the drama of the NBA. And um, that's a moment that that I, I will never ever forget. You know I can I can see it vividly even today. But a lot of moments like that in, in the finals where we didn't have quite that success, but. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and then I think seeing, seeing guys succeed, um, that maybe no one believed they ever would. We had a guy come through Orlando named Daryl Armstrong Yep. and yeah. 
And he continues to be my favorite Magic player of all time just because of his heart. Um, th this is just a special guy that did not have the talent I was talking about. Now, he had talent, yeah. amazing talent, <laughs> right? Uh, and an amazing athlete. Daryl was a place kicker in college, and a lot of people don't realize that uh, for Fayetteville State um, and a basketball player. But, I mean, just a, a terrific athlete. But when it comes to the NBA, he had none of the skill set you would think that would make him succeed. Um, we found him, one of our scouts, John Gabriel, found him over, if I remember correctly, he was playing internationally in Cyprus or somewhere, crazy exotic location overseas. They found him, they bring him in. Um, he's not really going to play. He joins the team. This is 94, 95. We're, we're an NBA finals team. Right. Um, and somehow Daryl Armstrong carved away onto that finals team. Um, <laughs> he carved away into the NBA, played another 10 years. If I'm not mistaken, I think Daryl's still coaching in the league. If not, it's only been a couple of years he's been out. Um, but just a special guy with an amazing attitude for success. Um, believed. And I think a lot of it for Daryl is fate, too. I think God plays a, a big role in, in Daryl's heart. Um, but amazing attitude to succeed. Um, and to see guys like that succeed that, that for me, that was, that was everything. Yeah. Some of those, those, those are some of my, um, favorite stories of hearing those people that, you know, no one looked at as the overwhelming favorite, but just grinded to get there. And those are the kind of stories that I love telling on this podcast is about, is about people that, you know, six, one Daryl Armstrong, <laughs> you know, just scraps and fights his way, you know, to a, you know, 10 year career or probably even probably more than that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at him on Google. It says he's a current coach for the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So yeah. Yeah. Daryl's been around a long time. And uh, I mean, what a heart, what, what a, and, and you know, the thing about Daryl too, Cam, he would treat everyone like they were the most important person in the world. And I'm talking the ushers at the arena, the guys that worked in the back cleaning up. Um, everyone was important to Daryl. I just think that's, that's the way all of us need to go through life. And he, he did. And that's, uh, that's not common at that level with that type of athlete, but it was for Daryl and uh, he'll always have a special, special place in my heart. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, that, uh, that, that magic team that made it to the finals, that's probably one of my uh, <laughs> all time least favorite teams because that, that, that year I was a huge LeBron fan. I mean, I'm still a big LeBron fan and, you know, the whole thing that year was these little Kobe and LeBron puppets and hopefully that they would meet in the finals and see who'd win the championship. <laughs> and that was a year that the magic beat the, beat the Cavaliers to go to the finals. Uh, that, yeah. that still, that still hurts my heart. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a tough league, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> tough league. But hey, Dennis, I really appreciate your time. This was awesome. Um, you have any other closing thoughts regarding sports life faith that, that you'd love to share? I don't, Cam, but I tell you what, I, I, I wish you only the best. I don't know where you want to go with this and, and your career, but if there's any way that uh, I can help you in that journey, um, be it just just wisdom, just support, uh, encouragement, um, just I, I, I just ask that you do reach out because I, I would like to be able to do that for you. I, uh, I appreciate the story you told earlier about going to the NBA game. That was that was great. I, I haven't heard that actually for a little while. So that was good to hear that you enjoyed that. And that's what makes it a lot of fun when you can see people like you enjoy it and, and go, especially when it's first game ever in their life, NBA yeah. game. 
Yeah, and I think I think that was a game um, that was right after when Dwight announced that he was coming back. Now I think he ended up leaving, you know, in the in the summer. But that was a game where he said he was coming back, and the and the place was rocking. It was it was going crazy. <laughs> a lot of fun. I I remember it well. <laughs> yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Newman, a longtime broadcaster of the Magic, but better known as a uh, man of God, father of three kids, and a husband to Debbie. Thanks again, Dennis. Cam, good to meet you, and I hope to see you down the road. Thank you, sir. God bless you.